Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I am your host, Brett McGrath. Hopefully, you are all doing well. You are trying to do whatever you can to rid yourself of that national hangover if you were there in Atlantic City, or even if you weren't, hopefully you are all having a good week, off to a good start. I am recording this on Sunday, and as I got ready to log on to get this show on the road, I checked my Twitter and Saw some significant news. So I'm going to read a tweet from Shams. You obviously, if you're listening, have already heard this, but this is just coming to me right now. But it is on the passing of Bill Russell. Um, Shams tweeted, Bill Russell, 11-time NBA champion, five-time MVP, member of the 25, 50, and 75 greatest ever anniversary teams, two-time NCAA champion, Olympic gold medalist, and two NBA championships as the first black head coach in North American pro history, a legend in every way. And I think that is the perfect way to describe Bill Russell. He is someone who has transcended sport, someone who has transcended generations, someone who obviously has phenomenal contributions to the game of basketball, but then even outside of the game of basketball. I think certainly a huge and massive loss. But yeah, I just wanted to read that off because literally just finding that out as I'm hitting record. And I think in a uh, way that it really, uh, thinking about Bill Russell, thinking about the community of collectors around Bill Russell really help set the stage for the conversation today um, and the conversation just around collecting and really defining the traits between the long game and the short game in our hobby. I think you uh, mentioned a name like Bill Russell before his passing and even now. It's um, people who are buying and collecting Bill Russell cards are doing it for a lot of reasons in sentimental value and long-term value, as opposed to some of the, some of the short-term mindset of buying the, the flavor of the week and trying to do whatever you can to get rid of it, but then also get some financial benefit from that transaction. So really wasn't planning to talk about Bill Russell, but um, obviously his passing is significant news. And will likely have a significant impact on our hobby. I know I'm going to be one of those guys later who probably goes to the YouTubes and looks up some Bill Russell highlights just to just to uh, reflect on how good of a career that he had and just a phenomenal loss. So thoughts and prayers to everyone associated with the Russell family. And obviously, I know there's a ton of you out there who are Bill Russell collectors. Let's get this show on the road. So tough to transition from a topic like that, but 
I spent my Saturday night. I hope not at, not in Atlantic City. I know there was so much going on, and I'm going to comment on that. But watching SummerSlam, first big show under the creative of Triple H. Now that Vince is out of sight, out of mind, we think. And I think it delivered. It was just a very highly entertaining show. I think from top to bottom, so many things happened. The main event was insane. Brock, uh, Roman, just a classic last man standing match. Um, There was, you had the Pat McAfee of it all. Logan Paul, our resident Pokemon collector. And that guy, I want to not like that guy, but that guy is built for the WWE. I mean, he's just phenomenal performance. He was made to be inside that ring and just, again, wowed the crowd. But just excitement there on the wrestling front. I know training camps are in full flight. I had NFL Network on before I jumped on this, and they're panning around going to training camps to training camps. I'm like one of those guys that, like, any team, any story, even if it doesn't mean anything, I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, consuming that content, enjoying it because I want to I want to be as smart and as educated as I can as an NFL fan when I sit there on Sunday and start watching the games. So, um there's tons of content, podcasts, NFL network, articles. You you literally like you can sit here all day every day and just consume it. Um and that's kind of what I'm doing in my downtime. So I hope you all are getting excited for season to kick off. I'm thinking about my me as a season ticket holder and um, you know, coming up here in August with a couple of home preseason games for the Colts, getting out. You know, you 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 never it's just nice to get to the stadium and to be there and get acclimated before the season. So I certainly take advantage as a season ticket holder of Maybe not being there the entire time, but it's nice to see the team back on the field. I want to shout out to everybody who has been sharing the word here about Stacking Slabs and the how much fun you all are having being a part of the Stacking Slabs family. All you reposters sharing whenever I drop a new episode, putting it on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Um, people who share the show and your story, tag me. That's that's a good compliment that helps me understand you appreciate what I'm doing and you're doing it right. So I want to thank you there. And that's all you, that's, that's the most powerful thing you can do. And it's the easiest way to tell a damn friend that you're enjoying stacking slabs. So excited about the topic today, defining the traits between the long game and the short game and the hobby. Um, Want to hit a couple kind of topics, national related before we really dive in and some of these other things. But I think, my observation, but being a spectator this year, and by no means am I going to be spectator next year. I'm like already circling it. Chicago, the national, going to be there, going to be in the mix. But really, it's it's a melting pot of activity. I think you've got the uh, so many things happening. So many, and it's good things. It's uh, we as you know collectors who I think primarily consume the stacking slabs content are. Not going to like everything that happens at a big show like Atlantic City, in it, like the National Atlantic City, but it, it shows that the hobby is a heartbeat and it serves many different segments. And I think really taking a step back and thinking about the different interests and segments and demographics that hobby businesses, um, flavors of the hobby, um, d- different brands are trying to 
um, resonate with is a good way to think about it. And I think from a collector point of view, you know, we see shit that we can't hardly believe sometimes um, because our operating principles and why we do what we do are a certain way. And I think people would say the opposite of a collector is the investor point of view. And I, I personally think that's wrong. I think collectors are investors and the term had has got heisted for branding purposes. The activity of a so-called investor doesn't match the qualities of actual investing. And I want to kind of dive into that today a little bit. I think that's really important. It's like I buy cards because I love them, because I have an attachment to them, because I'm building a collection with continuity. But I, when I buy these cards, I don't buy them because I am not investing in them in some sort of way so that they store value and so that whenever I do need to make another move and sell these cards down the road, like my thoughts are these things don't go to zero, but they're actually hopefully higher than the price that I bought them for, you know? So my mindset is collector first, but I collect to invest. There's an investment angle there. I think the investment or the mainstream hobby term in investor is more of this flip game model, flip culture, pass the buck. And I'm not saying one way is right and the other way is wrong, but I just think we need to have better definition. I think diving headfirst into this exploration um, will be very, very uh, helpful. And it's been kind of therapeutic for me. And this by no means is your one-stop shop to figure out what the difference is between collecting and investing and all these things. That's not what I'm doing. This is a ongoing conversation. This is a gradual conversation to build definition around our hobby and segmentation around our hobby. And after I got done thinking about presenting kind of this topic, I knew at the end of it, I said, you know, this is going to probably ruffle some feathers. Okay, whatever. That's fine. This is your hobby content alternative. But this is also going to be an ongoing dialogue. And there will be other people that need to be a part of this dialogue outside of me sitting here on a Sunday talking in a microphone in my office to you out there, the Stacking Slabs listeners. So we're going to get into that. But the National and Atlantic City has come and gone. You know, sitting on the sidelines this year was, I was okay with it by the end of it because I've got some other priorities in my life right now that didn't afford me to go. But it also gave me the kick in the butt to be like, all right, dude, like get your shit together and make sure you're there next year. And certainly my the conversation and the content that will be coming from the Stacking Slabs podcast will likely sound and look a little different next year because I will have that boots on the ground point of view that I can share with you. I think initially this wave of feeling like I missed something, but then I started following the coverage. You know, that's why I think Instagram is incredible. It's an incredible platform in our hobby, you know, looking at stories, looking at people's posts, getting people's feedback. And I think the important thing for me was you can't understand and hear of the full story of a show that big and that has that much going on from just one account or two accounts. I think it's this is where I think we have the opportunity to take a bunch of different points of view, feedback, and synthesize it together and then try to whittle it down to some sort of vibe that you're like, all right, this is kind of what I'm taking away from the show and and what it and how it was and what it and kind of what came from it. You know, outside of my own perception of things I saw, 
I think one of the narratives that came from the show was that, you know, like not every dealer was out there trying to do business, still trying to sell at a certain price when the market has shifted rapidly. But on the other side, there's a smaller percentage of dealers who are looking to move cards. That's why they were there. So it seemed to me that at like a macro level, the individuals were trying to find the dealers who were willing to have conversations. And then if they made a deal with those individuals, there was likely repeat business for the rest of the day. I certainly am not going to sit here and forecast and talk about everything without getting bringing someone on who is on the show, who can kind of, who I respect their opinion and they've uh, been in the hobby for quite some time and they can kind of come on the show and give you all the listener if you weren't there their point of view on the show and how it went for them. And that's why I'm bringing the E-Trader Joey back on the podcast. He was in AC, shared some picks with me of some cards he got. I think they are worthy enough to talk about, but also just get some perspective on, was it easy to make deals? How was the vibe? Were people excited? What was going on with the businesses? So if if you want to know more and we can close out the national week, this week on the Stacking Slides podcast, Joey. E-Trader will be back on the podcast this Friday. So you're going to want to tune into that. I, I just also too, just regarding the national, I want to say thank you to anybody out there who DM'd me and said, hey, this is what are you looking for? How can I help? Or taking pictures of showcases because they knew there were cards in there that I could be potentially interested in. That is like selfless behavior. It is unbelievable and really helps give me a peace of mind that there is so many good actors in the hobby that just don't look out necessarily for them. Not, or not only looking out for themselves, but looking up for out for people around them. So you know who you are. I just want to say thank you for that. It means a lot. I appreciate that. Um, I think this was a jolt of energy and I think jolts of energy are always good. And the question will be like, can this sustain, right? Can, can this sustain throughout the coming months? And I think, the t- big events, big splashes are always a good thing. I had fun seeing uh, guys like Lamine James in the crowd mingling with peeps. The picture with Probstein with the Probstein shilling tee on. He's posted it on his account. Man, that cracked me up. What'd you get at the show? Were you there? I'd love to know. I'd love to understand your perspective and experience. I think uh, would mean a lot. So if you got sometime give me a shout so one of the things that i'll comment on just because it seemed like it made so much news the the in the opening days and by no means is this me trying to throw somebody under the bus but it is kind of what i focus on with my professional career and when i see something like this i gotta comment but kind of the bgs of it all i think you know there's a whole slab gate i'll call it you know, they had on their graphics of their booth, they had new slabs. And then people took to social media and said they didn't like the slabs. And then BGS kind of backtracked and said, well, these aren't really the slabs. They're just prototypes and we're getting feedback. And it just seemed like a spinning contest. And I think there's a couple of things I want to say about this. I think no matter what the slabs look like, the majority of people would diss it. It's just the easy thing to do. People don't like change. And this is, I'm not standing up for BGS on this because they certainly have um, some blame here. But 
I think just the, think about every Apple release. Think about every think about every new change, logo change. Everything. There's always people complaining about it. It's just that's the that is the easy thing to do. I'm used to this one thing, and it looks different, and so I'm going to complain about it. Honestly, it might not have been incredible, amazing, but to be honest, I don't think it ventured too far off of what their current slabs look like. I, obviously. I don't know if there was any prototypes in hand and look at them. Just for what I saw from the graphics, I think there's a logo change. Obviously, Beckett has changed their logo. But I think the the angle where you have to give share some healthy criticism towards Beckett would be before this event, they haven't done themselves any favors through their marketing, their communications, and how they are building their brand. As a matter of fact, I would say in terms of a hobby business having a significant brand that means something to a large portion of uh, participants in the hobby, they've probably done the worst job of maintaining their position. Now, this doesn't mean that when PWCC or Golden or Heritage, when they have big auctions and there's these monster grails, a lot of the times they're in BGS slabs and collectors or people who are collecting to invest don't that doesn't bother people. And I think that's that's really good. But I, I think if because people aren't viewing the damage that has been done on their brand side over a year or two year period of time gonna affect the long term prices of cards that are rare and scarce and collectible in their slabs. I think that's good, right? Maybe if this continued for the next 10 years, things might look a little different. But I think so they've started in they've started in this position where people they've huge brand identity people think a certain way about their brand maybe it hasn't been favorable in the last several years because they haven't done a great job of communicating to their customers in a way that we expect during this era of information sharing but you can't promote new slabs or put it on your graphic and then just say you're getting feedback, okay? Like, it just makes yourself look silly. And it's more of the same from the Beckett brand. I think the it was the most prominent element of their entire display. And I don't think, like, they were taking a, any news is good news approach, especially based on what was happening with social. So uh, the company pains me so much because it, it has such a strong position. Um, and I think there's so much opportunity to do cool things. and. The focus for me to them would be about reconnecting with the base and being able to tell a story that gets them in a place that they weren't, they haven't been in a long time. And it has to do with elements based on your history and your relationships with your customers that you can ignite. It pains me that I don't see a company like that taking advantage of it. And it's, it's, there, it's not easy, but there's a process that they can go through, and I hope they're going through, in order to restore faith and trust. I buy cards all day, all long in BGS slabs. The slab, to me, I'm buying the card. I'm not being buying the slab. But I don't sub with BGS because there's so many things there that are missing for me. So I, I hope it was a wake-up call, this whole slab gate thing. But I don't know. I'm cheering for Beckett. I want Beckett to do well. 
But man, when you continue to see things like this, it really has it has me kind of thinking twice before investing in a big sub with Beckett. And it's just something I'm just not comfortable doing right now until I see some dramatic changes in ways to kind of restore faith and trust with what they're doing over there. I wanted to make sure I posted this. I hinted at it last week. I'm rounding the corner, bringing it back. But talking about cards last week that I just landed and I talked about how sharing your passion for your collection and who you collect and doing it consistently can allow you to be a magnet for the cards that you want in your PC. And one of the cards I posted this past week, but I didn't mention based on the timing of the last recording, was landing the 2014 Gold Prism out of 10, Peyton Manning. 2014 Prism kicks ass. It rules. It's shiny, and I know some people aren't all, but I love the the solid color backgrounds. I love the shine. It's my favorite year of Prism. The athlete is in the right. It's a prominent position, and it just it's it's almost a perfect card to me. And maybe it is. I don't know. But I, if there was one Manning Prism card that I wanted, it was that card. And so I was working, and I pulled up my phone. Had not been on Instagram probably since the morning of the day. And I checked my DMs and I was trying to go through it real fast before I had to hop to another meeting. And I saw a a listing from, shout him out, go check out his page, Andrew Luck Collector. Want to talk about Andrew Luck Collector. This, this collection's insane. Go follow him. But Andrew Luck Collector DM'd me this listing and I clicked it and I saw the price and it had to make make an offer bin and it was one of those things where I saw the price which my immediate thought was this is very reasonable and then I saw the make an offer tab and it blinded me a little bit and so then I went shot some dms I dm'd a buddy he knows who he is if he's listening and he told me that if I didn't buy it Right then and there, he was going to buy it, even though he already had one. So that was my, oh shit, I need to get to this and smash Ben. I smashed Ben and was like so nervous and saw that I had won it, got a message. Then the dreaded message came from the seller and I was like, oh my God, this guy just put this card up and then someone already smashed Ben and he realizes that he probably could have gotten more from it. So he's trying to you know, I, that's what I was expecting. But I opened up the message and he said, you know, congratulations. This is an awesome card. It's in really good shape. This is what I'm going to send it out. It was just great communication. And so I was like, amazing. I went back to my Manning group chat and I wasn't necessarily going to like copy and paste and share with them. But I was like back on it. And like right when I opened my Instagram again, uh, just a flurry of who got this card, who got it. And I, you know, did the emoji of the guy raising his hand and everyone was like, I would, I was about to smash Ben or amazing card, amazing price. And it just was like, it made me feel good. It was like, I, it, you know, it, not cheap, but just validation that, you know, it's nice to know that there are other collectors out there who would have done the exact same thing as I, I did if I was in that position, right place, right time. But Again, like just, just kind of like a hammer home to last last week is just like share your shit, talk to people, talk to them about why you love 
the cards you love. Post your collection. People see that every day. People see that consistency. So when they see something on eBay that remind that it reminds them of you and they want to make sure that you have that card. And I think just the lesson, the more you can do that, the more cards you're going to get that align with your PC. I want to thank you to Adam, the Real 27 guy and the PWCC team for giving me the space to talk about wrestling cards. They have started a new uh, YouTube series around the hobby. It's on PWCC's YouTube. I had a ton of fun awesome that a platform allowed me to talk about something like wrestling cards like that. It was great. I like the direction of what PWCC is doing. They are not paying me or telling me to say these things, but they're a hobby business. I'm an observer. Okay. This is what I do. I observe how businesses operate and it was a just excellent experience working with their team on this and also just company direction, what they're doing with content, how they're positioning themselves. I, I really enjoy uh, what that brand is doing right now. So hats off to them. And thank you so much for hosting me on that show. Let's get into this as we close out this episode. So the topic again, defining the trace between the long game and the short game in the hobby. This topic inevitably will ruffle feathers. And I will say this, I don't really care because this show isn't, necessarily built to appease everyone. And I think that is part of the joy that I get where I don't want to feel like I'm talking to the entire hobby because what I talk about and the topics that I hit doesn't matter to the entire hobby, but it matters to you. Hopefully if you're sitting here and you're a repeat listener, or even if you're a new listener to the show, hope you explore this topic and other topics and listen to my content and decide, you know what, this is different. I like this. So let's just get that out of the way. I also will accept competing opinions, debates, and arguments. I always do. It's This is a two-way conversation, even though it's just me talking into a microphone staring at my wall right now. I think the my first question, if there was some pushback, would be kind of my dis- a discovery question about asking the opposition, have you put in the hours actually investigating this topic? And I'm not talking about perception or what your perception or your opinions are or what you see on or what you see online or create opinions about. I'm talking about actually setting out on an exploration through discovery to better understand this topic. This show has matured from its earliest days, and longtime listeners certainly understand that. But this show is an investigation. This show is an exploration around topics in and around the hobby that matter. And so part of my journey and process has been visiting these other camps outside of hardcore collectors and understanding that this isn't for me, let me move on. But while this isn't for me, what's happening in here is probably really important for a certain segment of the hobby. And it's good to have a bunch of different segments in the hobby, especially if we want to grow and especially if we want more people to enter. So I've never taken the expert opinion on this show because I knew trying to learn alongside everyone else who is in the hobby was more valuable. I've made myself vulnerable, probably too vulnerable at times. I, I even get, uh, I still get uh, some messages about stuff I've said from the beginning, which I own that. I always own anything I said, but it's afforded me the position 
of spending time in various circles in the same space today as you, the collector. And so think when we think about this topic of long game, short game, collector, investor, flipper, whatever persona it is, I think you need to have some clear definitions. So when I think about the long long game, so I guess what do I mean by the long game? I think there are many flavors in between the long game and the short game, but the two ends of the spectrum to me really are you've got collectors. I'm going to talk more about them. You've got flippers. Okay, long game, short game. Can you be both? Absolutely. I think there's some common ground that we need to discuss. And again, this entire dialogue and conversation will not be, it will not conclude in today's episode. It's impossible. There's too much meat on this bone. There's too many perspectives that need to be gathered. But I think we can talk, we can do an intro here in the time we have. The common ground that we need to address is the, the the asset, regardless of what's happening, the asset is the same, right? Cards. Cards are the asset. I think what also is the same, some common ground are the platforms that we use. So we use platforms like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook for communication, buying. We you know buy on platforms like eBay, right? Similar communication, similar buying platforms. I think this presents opportunity and also causes a ton of conflict. And that's where the hobby see and it the how vast it is ends up dropping on our timeline and we see stuff that does we don't jive with. Okay. I think ultimately everybody, some other common ground is everyone wants increased value at some duration from what they're buying. Um, the time and the degree of importance of that value is it, there's a big variant there. So I guess like first, let's talk about flip culture in a way or arbitrage seekers. Um, again, like I don't want this to come across as negative because quite frankly, I, I believe people who are flipping cards, it's critical. It's a critical role in the hobby. It's critical to um keep cards moving to get out it gives me opportunities to get cards that I'm going to collect i would probably say at the highest level the hobby is weighted from a a support from a content from um if i were walking into the hobby and didn't know anything and just spent a week watching what was happening i would think that the hobby is probably more about the financial component and flipping cards than the collecting component just at the surface level without digging in. But I think it's, it's this uh, pass the buck. So we want to pay at one price and we want to sell at another price. It's about the money, not necessarily about the cards. The cards are a vehicle to the money. Um, it doesn't matter what the asset is. The most important, the, the importance is being able to take advantage of the run up. It's, Thinking about rookies, right? There is an arbitrage opportunity around rookies because you have gambling, which is such a part of culture and such a part of the hobby. You have people who want the next Giannis. You have people who want to find the next Mahomes. Quite frankly, the next Giannis and the next Mahomes don't come around very often, but there's this desire to 
in the rookie rookie classes each and every year in every sport for people to find those cards. So if you're a an arbitrage seeker or someone who wants to take advantage of that space, you can do it because unproven talent, potential, people take advantage of these things. This it's happening right now. It's happening at the national as we're waiting for the NFL to kick off. So I think, you know, when arbitrage seekers are buying cards, they're trying to buy cards that the upside seekers are out there valuing, which are usually the rookies or first-year guys that we don't know the full story on yet. But zooming completely out, only a few usually survive. So it turns into this big one, big gamble. However, the short-term flippers don't really care because they're they're feeding, they're buying, selling higher, and feeding into that. Okay, I think WWE Prism is a perfect example. It's like shit when I that came out, I was so excited. Then day one, first month, I looked at what was happening, and I thought I was going to be able to just grab a bunch of gold prisms of, of guys and gals that I collect and like. I was completely wrong because I just fun, it looked like a bunch of funny business. It was. The cards were so high, and I was like, there's no way I'm getting into the mix on this. This is stupid. And what was happening was people who didn't even give a shit about wrestling cards but saw Prism brand and saw that license and saw that this playbook being run over and over again in other sports and other segments came in and took advantage of it. And some people probably made some money. A lot of people lost a ton of money because that flame went out in a second. And the reason why the flame went out in a second is because people like me and collectors said, fuck it, like, go do your bullshit. We're not getting swept up in this. We're going to go buy Topps Chrome cards and buy them at that for 6X less than what you're selling your Prism cards for because it's the flavor of the week. And I'm out. I'm going to sit on the sidelines and wait. And so this is happening with quarterbacks right now. I mean, Jesus. Like, <laughs> the, the attention on some of these guys it's because they are in the new products. It's because people are, they're liquid. People can sell them before the season and they can sell them before, you know, these things. The truth comes out. NFT crowd, okay? Flip culture crowd. Move in, move out. I think, you know, we see, like, you want to look at this, the volatility is just go look at the last PWCC premier auction. I mean, people who bought these cards for, $200,000 and expected to, you know, double it or, you know, make a percentage off that by selling it six months later, that short term does not work right now. And so you got, they got blasted. I think you need some of this element, but we as a hobby don't need to overdose on this stuff. Okay. The content opinions and goals, very director goals, very, very drastically, excuse me, from, from the collector crowd. And I think that can create some conflict. And I think you know, with collectors, you know, I will be completely transparent and say, I buy these cards because they make me feel good. I buy these cards because they tell a story. I buy these cards because there's continuity. They bring me back. There's excitement. Um, I'm a collector of collections. I freaking love the cards. I spend all my disposable income on sports cards because I love them. Um, it's, it's about the escape. It's about the hobby. It's about sharing the cards with other people, posting them, talking about it, meeting other people who share in that passion. Think about the Reggie Wayne card that I posted, the white border X-Fractor, and just the comments and the stories and the connections. And I went off. It's like, man, this is freaking incredible. Like, I'm sitting here uh, in 
you know, August of 2022, Reggie Wayne's been retired, trying to make the Hall of Fame. Now is a Colts wide receiver coach. I'm sitting here having conversations with people about Reggie Wayne and how great he was. It's great. You know, I bought that Reggie Wayne card. It's a one of one. I bought it because I love Reggie Wayne. And but there's also an investment side to that too. I know by owning a card like that over a long period of time, like you know, it might not go to the two of the moon and be 10x what I bought it for, but I'm pretty confident that, that that's a car I'm going to hold for long term. And if there is a time down the road where I need to sell it to do something else, chances are I'll be pretty good on my money. I think there's a community and it's meeting the other people who think this way. It's buying to hold because it's easier to hold because you love it. You're not trying to move it. It doesn't mean you can't sell. And I think I sell all the time, but it's because I'm trying to move into something else that makes me feel that way again. I think the centerpiece is the cards. It's not about the money. And so I think having this long-term approach to the hobby around collecting is what really makes this hobby go around. People are trying to build sets. People need cards. People are trying to build continuity. People are trying to build out their collections. And so I think the 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 varying degrees and how different the mentality of people who don't care about the cards and are just looking to make money as opposed to people who do really care about the cards and want to make money, but are doing it over a long term are drastically different. I think everyone had both have a place. I just think we are way over indexed right now on the former and we should as a community be spending more time doing whatever we can to elevate the position of the collector. Because when those people who were out coming in buying WWE prism, who are now buying uh, the next NFT projects and not even uh, into sports cards anymore. We should not be spending all of our resources servicing those people who are creating, who are just swooping in and swooping out. We should be spending more of our time appeasing the collectors. And I think hobby businesses who are communicating directly to people who are playing the long game have a longer chance of sustainability and profitability than the platforms who are out there trying to play into the flavor of the week. We're just getting started on this conversation. I've got so much more to say. Going to bring other people in to talk about this, explore. It's very important to the hobby. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your week to listen to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Joey E-Trader on the pod Friday. Peace out. Peace out.